There are many ways people listen to vision, including on smart speakers. Just tell your smart speakers to play Vision Christian Radio. Alexa, play Vision Christian Radio. Vision. Yep, it really is that easy. You can also say, play V180 Radio for our music channel. It's just another way that Vision is helping you look to God daily. Coming up today on The Story. I heard the words, just in my spirit, take a show to the year 2000 Olympic Games. I was 1981, so it was like a 20-year call, and I'm like, excuse me, can I hear that again? And he said, take a show... Like I was doing some theatre and drama, but not much. Take a show to the year 2000 Olympic Games. But that was a call to a purpose. And so I went, okay, I'll do that. The story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we have part two of our three-part conversation with brother and sister DK Locke and Dale Cocaine, who are sharing their fascinating stories with us. Last time we heard about their colourful childhood growing up on a dairy farm in northern Victoria and taking baths in an irrigation channel. Also, we heard about Dee's strong sense of justice and how she organised a protest at her school. As her brother Dale said, it was at that point that her family realised that Dee had a flair for theatrics. And as we'll hear today... The theatre has played a huge role in Dee's life, especially after the Lord gave her a special vision back in 1981. We'll hear how it all works out in Dee's life as she shares more of her story today. Once again, Dee Kaylock and her brother Dale Kakane are having a chat with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios. Mum got me a job at World Vision. I was 14 and a half and the teachers said, We'll fudge her because you weren't allowed to leave school till you were 15. They said, we'll fudge it. Oh, you completely left school. Yeah, 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 at 14 and a half. Yeah, yeah. it's true. They, so, they couldn't wait to see the back of her. Yeah, so they, <laughs> they fudged the last six months. So I got a job with Max at World Vision. Mm-hmm. Um, Who's Max? Oh, it's a family friend. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, he was a manager there. Yeah. Oh, okay. And he... He put me in when we were going. It's like within seventy, so it was going from big paper A4 files into little microfish mm-hmm. f- things. Mm-hmm. And so I worked with a Korean man called Billy, and a redheaded lady called Sandy, and mm. she was deaf. And that's when you learned sign language. That's when I learned sign language, oh, okay. and it's and it's when I got into theatre because mm. she would take me to the Victorian Deaf Theatre in Jolly oh, okay. Road. Yeah, and um, I'd go to the Deaf Theatre and learnt mime, learnt signing. And we go to their parties, and all the music's up loud enough for it to vibrate. Mm. So they were they were dancing to the vibrations mm. in the floor, and I'm yeah. like got earmuffs and ear oh, yeah, yeah. going, I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> but they became my friends. Yeah, um, but I, I just want to back up. So your parents must have thought school just isn't for you. Yeah, let's get her where she's doing something she's passionate about. Well, I went to World Vision, did that for six months, mm-hmm. and then. I wanted to go with Wycliffe Bible Translators to Papua New Guinea to mm-hmm. help assist missionaries for a month. Mm-hmm. And mum and dad said yes. So I was, fifth, I was the youngest I ever took. Um, wow. Trailblazer. Uh, just young. I don't know. A different education, like not a classroom education. It was a live your life, live your life education. So I'm just sitting here knowing that you have two degrees and a master's now. Yeah. <laughs> so God it, healed. Yeah, yeah. God heals. God. Yeah. And he restores. He restores what 
like my first degree, I was 26. So how did you overcome this learning disability, <laughs> dyslexia, healing. to go on to have such a healing good career um, in getting degrees and everything? Yeah, so went to Papua New Guinea, stayed there for a long time, probably about eight months and then came back. And then I went to Adelaide to Bible college, a bit like Dad, I guess, in the moving around. Um, and I went to Bible college and, and I couldn't read, but I always found people that they could read mm-hmm. and I had a really good memory and I mm-hmm. had a really good um, vocal, like I would, if I heard it, I'd remember it. If I saw it or if I did it, kinesthetic. Mm-hmm. So I just surrounded myself in kinesthetic experiences mm-hmm. and learnt that way. Mm-hmm. And so I learnt in my body before I understood in my head, mm-hmm. whereas with reading and writing, you learn in your learn in your head and then apply it and it integrate it into your life and your living and your values. Mm-hmm. I would apply it and live it and integrate it and then go, what's that? I have no language for that thing mm-hmm. that I've just had. Or I have no language for that experience or that choice. Or So, but I was smart in other ways and I didn't know that. It's taken a lifetime. So because you had that learning disability, you kind of thought, oh, I must not be smart. But it oh, I thought out, I was, I was stupid. I, I was. Yeah, you I used wrong. to. I used to say. Yeah, I was. I used to say all the time. My catchphrase was, oh, "I'm really good for a coffee and a cuddle, and I'm compassionate, but don't ask for an intelligent conversation or any wisdom because I'm stupid." That was my catchphrase. Mm. Like, but I'll, I'll love you and I'll yeah. hang out with you and I'll sit with you and I'll listen to you, but I'm not smart enough to mm. have an opinion on something. But Dale, you knew your sister was smart. Yeah, too right. You couldn't tell her. You know, she you, didn't you, believe it. Well, you couldn't tell her anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> just love this sibling rivalry here. I just didn't for a sec. Yeah. To actually yeah. build on that point, yeah. I remember my bedroom window used to look out over on our street. Mm-hmm. And uh, This I, is eventually when you got a, a home. A house. We got a house. No, this is out of the tent. <laughs> no, no, once we got out of the tent, yeah, the, the, the whole tent was a window. Um, <laughs> And my mother would stand there on the street with my sister when she was, she would have been four, hmm. saying, don't go on the street. Hold her hand, don't go on the street. And my sister would turn around and look up at her and just step onto the road. And my mother would smack her on the bum and say, don't go on the street. She'd look up and go, ah! and she'd step back onto the road. I mean, she might not have been rebellious, but she sure was hard to teach. So- <laughs> If she wanted to go somewhere, that, that was she was going to go there. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so a bit of a strong-willed as well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. A bit. When I knew what my will was. Yeah. Yeah. When I locked in on it, mm-hmm. and a lot of it came out of like you know fear and insecurity and mm-hmm. feist. Yeah. But it's, it's like anything; all of our gifts are also our shadows. What does you that know? mean? Um, our strengths have corresponding weaknesses. Say again? Yeah, strengths have corresponding weaknesses. Yeah. So we have, like, if their strength is really strong-willed, mm-hmm. that can be, cha- like, that can be used to control people, control things, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be abusive and, yeah, and horrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that strong will is also described in Scripture as determined, mm-hmm. enduring, mm-hmm. Uh, faithful, mm-hmm. um, yep. one-eyed, you know, focused. So it can be to- used for good or yeah. for evil. Yeah, that's right. So our strengths are the shadow, like mm-hmm. w- w- the shadow of them. And, and so, and when you're, you're four or you're 14 or you're 24, you're learning what those 
like what the strengths are mm. in their distortions and their shadows as well as in their beauty and their gift. Mm-hmm. So it's both, you know, and that's I think that that's the dance. I think that's what, what Jesus invites us into is an awareness of that and then going, okay, you have a choice. Mm-hmm. This is where you can choose. An example of that would be um, I went to Bible college and hung out with some filmmakers mm-hmm. and they would read the scriptures. My head teacher was David McGregor and he was really patient and would bring me back to this. I was in Adelaide. I was 17, 18, mm-hmm. and they just helped me. It was only a six-month Bible course thing and they would just patiently do it on audio and do all this sort of stuff and and everyone – and I would – you know, get my assignments in differently. I'd, I'd draw them or I'd sketch them or I'd, you know, I'd tell them and be interviewed, you know, about the kings of Israel and Jehoshaphat and, you know, Jericho and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they had a thing that they asked us to do a spiritual rhythm called Jesus Dreams. And so every day you'd spend 10 minutes, the pastors and the teachers would say, spend 10 minutes where you just see yourself in a place and Jesus is in that place with you. And just have to allow allow your imagination to come alive, allow your imagination to work. And there was a cultivated thing and then we'd just share about it and share what God was showing us and what was happening. And, and we grew into, it's almost a holy imagination and, and hearing God better and seeing God in different contexts and situations. And anyway, this one day I was down at Victor Harbour and I had one and I heard the words just in my spirit, um, take a show to the year 2000 Olympic Games. I was 1981, so it was like a 20-year call and I'm like, excuse me, can I hear that again? And he said, take a show, like I was doing some theatre and drama but Mm -hmm. not much, take a show to the year 2000 Olympic Games. I love that God made the 2000 Olympic Games be in Sydney, so that was easy. Yeah. But that was a call to a purpose, and so I went, okay, I'll do that. Just like I'll stand and do the protest or I'll put my foot on the road, I'll do that. So that was in 81. So I spent the next 20 years healing, training, studying and showing self-approved. You also went to the Olympics in Los Angeles went to with the, YWAM. Yeah, I went yeah, to the LA Olympics there, yeah. to, and yeah, did Toymaker at, at the LA Olympics. And went but God gave YWAM. you this clear vision and purpose. Yeah. Nineteen years before yeah. the two thousand Olympics. Yeah. So what I think what happened was God established me spiritually, not established as in I was finished, but got me listening to him mm-hmm. before I listened to humans. Mm-hmm. And in doing that it kept I kept coming back and saying, What are you saying, Jesus? What are you saying, Jesus? you know? And then I got some knowledge and then and he took me. He, and so I thought, I've got to study and show myself approved to be able to steward this vision. And I went, I'll do it, a course. I'll, I'll go to Box Hill TAFE and do a one-year tertiary orientation program. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know it was a tertiary orientation program. I thought it was just like a year 10, year 11 equivalent. And I mm-hmm. thought, well, at least I've got something because right now I've got a half of year nine. Yeah, because you left school. Yeah, you I left were, school so what? young. 14? Yeah. And um, so I partnered up with a girl who was, she knew what a topic sentence was in a paragraph. Um, She knew how to structure things. She knew how to do, like, she had really good order and structure. Mm -hmm. And she was, I don't know, 16, 17. Mm -hmm. And I was 24, 25. And I had a whole lot of colour and a whole lot of stories and a whole lot of 
collages and montages mm-hmm. rather than structure and order. And we partnered up and we did really well together. Mm. She gave all my stuff. She was able to put my stories and what I heard from the teachers and what I did, my reflections and my observations that, you know, you have to do reflections and stuff. Um, she put it in order mm-hmm. and structure it mm-hmm. and I would be able to colour in. I used to say, you do the lines, I'll do the colouring in. Mm. And so she would, I'd colour in her stories, but, you know, and she didn't have many, but we could dramatise them or elaborate yeah. them or whatever. Anyway, so the teacher yeah, background the, or your... Just create, just a, it's, it's a, my, a way of thinking and mm-hmm. seeing and, and yeah. cultivating and the imagination stuff at Bible mm-hmm. College. I think that was the main thing I was there for, um, to cultivate imagination, to cultivate and to actually start to learn to honour that your brain works differently mm-hmm. rather than just feeling like you're in deficit all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so your creativity was an asset instead well, it was, of it was a, a gift. deficit. Yeah. It was a, that's part of the restoration. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. you see the world different, hear the world different. Yeah, observe it different. Obviously, we can't cover all the many creative things you've done over the years, but let's try to get some of the biggies just to give a general impression of. Yeah, so the the teachers at the I'm going to finish this. The teachers at the TAFE said, "Oh, you should go to university," Mm -hmm. and I'm like, "Nah, nah, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm not that. No, no, it's it's okay to have this year ten." And then they said, and they said, no, you should go to university. I said, no. Anyway, in the January, I got a, a, a letter from Melbourne University saying you've been accepted into this degree. Wow. And I'm, I showed my mum and dad, and they're like, we don't know, I don't know. And I'm like, well, I never applied. And the teachers had applied for me and taken wow. my application. And I got into the course. Yeah. And it wasn't until second year through the course, because I thought I was just doing theatre and media, like filmmaking, radio. They saw something in you. I was in second year and they came around and said, you've got to go for teaching rounds. And I'm like, why? And they said, because this is a Bachelor in Education. This is a four-year degree from Melbourne Uni in Bachelor in Education. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be a teacher. Oh, you just thought you were going to just do I thought I was year. just doing theatre. Yeah. I thought yeah. I was just doing a theatre co- course. I didn't know what course I was doing until second year. So I'm just floating around being all these different things. And then they said, oh, you're going to do, um, you've got to go on teaching rounds. I said, no, nah, no way, no way am I ever stepping foot back in a But they in believed in you. They did, but I was not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, I was praying, really scared, really anxious, like nausea and vomiting anxious about these mm-hmm. teaching rounds. So I don't want to go into a school. And I was praying and the Lord said to me, the place of the pain is the place of the healing. Mm-hmm. I'm taking you back in to heal you so you can come out. Mm. And I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to. And he said, you've got to trust me. And he said, so, so I went into the, the place of pain, which was teaching. Why was that I, a place of pain for because you? Because earlier, you know, talking about teachers, what teachers do to you and did, and you know, the, the embarrassment, oh, the so, pain. Oh, because that was a painful that, experience. I had a trauma, schooling, oh, yeah. had trauma in schooling, and then God has, you know, I'm an adult now, and God says, no, nah, now we'll go back into school and we'll heal that. That place where you had all that all pain, that pain and, discomfort. And, and and embarrassment and yeah. shame. From the, I'm going to set you free from the shame. So I'm going to. So he healed, healed the the pathway. So I ended up becoming a teacher for a while. Um, wow! So Amazing was, how the Lord used something that was so traumatic and painful for you. Yeah, he helped you overcome. That. I think he does that with all of us. I think mm. he takes us back to the places where our neural pathways or neural pathways where you don't want to go. Get, yeah, and well. You you naturally avoid yeah yeah pain. we naturally yeah. avoid pain let's just say that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 
You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is once again chatting with brother and sister DK Locke and Dale Cocaine. Next, we'll hear more of Dee's story, including the incredible way the vision God gave her came to fruition in her life nearly 20 years later. All that and more is coming up when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're back with more of Eric Scadabo chatting with brother and sister DK Locke and Dale Cocaine as part of a three-part series. Today, we're focusing on Dee's story and the incredible ways the Lord has been working in her life. As we heard before the break, the Lord gave Dee a life-transforming vision back in 1981 that she should take a show to the 2000 Olympics. But we also heard how God helped heal Dee because she suffered from self-doubt from her struggles with dyslexia. Now we'll hear more about what happened next. So God worked in your life to let you know you're very talented, you're gifted. Yeah. And you should develop that further. Yeah, yeah. But you didn't. You didn't but he even didn't know tell you had me that, that part. He didn't when I was seventeen, and he said, "Take a show to the two thousand Olympics." He didn't tell me he was going to heal the the journey. Like yeah. the, you know, yeah. I was just trying to do. Okay, how do I do this the best I can? I need to. I need to at least get a year eleven. Otherwise, no one's going to talk. Like I'm not going to be taken seriously. Yeah. To develop the show, and we ended up. I ended up. Yeah, did you eventually go? Yeah, we did. I worked with um, a, a PhD student in Kenya and Douglas Gresham, who was C.S. Lewis's grandson, yeah, because okay. we wanted to get the right. Yeah, wanted mm-hmm. to get the rights to rewrite *Lion Witch in the Wardrobe* for mm-hmm. a First Nations audience because mm-hmm. the Olympics, are, all the world comes to there. Coming to Sydney for the mm. Olympics, yeah. so there's a, a sort of a First Nations thing happening. So. Yeah, we did it. It was a two-hour rock musical. TDK was an old album organisation or, mm-hmm. or business. And Cassettes, they just, that if I remember, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, well, they, they, they sponsored the oh, recording. Wow. Mm-hmm. So in the studio, we recorded everything, made an album, sold the album at the shows, did the shows for free and toured it for a couple of years. Had a cast wow. of 60. We had our own nurse. We had our own... Cast cook. of 60? Yeah, it was massive. It was big, wasn't it? It was huge. It was huge. Mm-hmm. It was huge. And it was my life calling because I've been working yeah. on it for 20 years. So, so it was a success. Yeah, yeah. And it saw lots of people come to faith. Lots of people come to faith because it talked about you belong and it talked about there's a battle. Mm. And it talks about choice, and it talked about, you know, um, talks about you being chosen rather than you having to make the choice. Yeah, mm. whether you accept being chosen. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah. Wow. So starting from that place of you belong, you're adopted. Wow. I mean, what a journey. I mean, yeah. from feeling like you're nothing, you're terrible in school. I think the other thing that she she hasn't spoken about is it wasn't just her expressing her creativity. She's got a gift to bring creativity out in others and to give them a a place where they can express Mm -hmm. it. And that heals it. So the healing goes through just her into the other people that she touches. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's part of the game too. Yeah, absolutely. Because now, since that time, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've gone on to teach other people to be creative in theatre and in different creative ways. So the show was 90, 
we like uh, from eighty one to ninety nine, two thousand uh, nineteen ninety nine. Eighty one. Nineteen eighty one. That's I got the got call. The, got the call. Mm-hmm. Uh, nineteen. 98, I started working on the show. I worked on me for the, all those years and then worked on the show. And the Lord said to me in 98, I was praying about everything, and he said, that's one show for one people for one time. I want you to create a nest. I want you to call this people I've called and I've gifted that don't know it. And I want you to create a nest where people can come and bring the world and the church together and I'll release the treasures of creativity. And, and so for people that are gifted, uh, especially in Christian circles where everybody's about me, like a, a lot of it was about music. It still, mm. it still is a lot about music mm. as, a, as the creative modality. But there's a whole lot of other people that God's gifted, a way of thinking, a way of being, a way of using their imagination, and they don't know where they fit or how mm. they, you know, or, or how to cultivate mm. and, 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 and steward the gifts so that it births more fruit in them and through them. And so he said, yeah, that's one show for one people. He said, I want you to start a, a, a network, a, a, create a nest for the ones I've called and appointed. And so we started Christian Artist Factory and got a board of directors and we got a leadership team and we got an oversight team and I brought a bunch of, had a, a lunch for a bunch of Christian pastors in Wesleyan Methodist and Catholic and Salvos and Pentecostal mm. and ACC, you know, all different um, Baptists and Churches of Christ. And um, I had this lunch and I just pitched their vision and I just said, this is what I feel like God's told me to do. This is some of the credibility. And what's it called again? It was called. It's finished now Mm because the Lord said, finish it. I'm like, okay, did I achieve what, did we do what you wanted us to do? And he said, yeah. So um, it was called the Christian Artist Factory Mm -hmm. and it was a national network, Mm -hmm. about probably about two or 3,000 people. Networks, okay. but no longer in existence now. But no, yeah, mm. and we had a, a community. We had started a faith community in Melbourne and one in Sydney called Stone Soup Community, mm. which is bring what you've got. You know mm. the, the legend of Stone Soup: bring what you've got, and if you haven't got anything, just come anyway. Wow, we you, ran you went a long courses. way from uh, yeah. being a, a troubled child in school. I wasn't troubled. I was amazing. She, no. was, <laughs> she was the trouble. <laughs> <laughs> what did Elvis but, say? You look at the trouble, you come to the right place. <laughs> but it's a, it's it's that, that feistiness, yep, and that, that's what yep. I mean. That's that's the beauty of the four year old that wouldn't not cross the road or wouldn't not touch the Venetian blinds because Mum and I had that for about three hours too. Don't touch the Venetians, but that. And because mum and dad loved me and they championed me until I could actually receive some of that Mm. and hear it, and then the Lord healed a lot of the wounding, Mm. then your your gifts become strengths Mm. rather than um, shadows. Now, you've done so much more after that, but (laughs) that's just the tip of the iceberg of the many creative things you've done within Christian ministry. Now, you are a pastor now? I'm a pastor now, creative ministries pastor. Yep, and um, that's fascinating because I'm up until like Christian Artist Factory was next to the church, mm-hmm. and we we would support you know leprosy mission or Wycliffe. We were doing stuff and you know help, help, helping people. Um, we, were, we had dance companies and theatre companies and theatre and education companies for primary schools and birthed a lot of different things, film mm-hmm. and production houses and stuff like that. So in 2018, God said. It's finished, mm-hmm. and I'm like, did I 
do everything you wanted us to do? Do we? And he said, count the ministries, count the things that have been birthed out of the mentoring, the loving, the belonging, mm-hmm. yep. that sense of you belong and that sense of oneness. Um, count the stuff. And there was several, you know, there were a lot, yeah. 60 of them. And, and he said, you finish that. And so um, I did a master's in theology, uh, majoring in spiritual direction. And while I was in that, the Lord said, okay, start doing spiritual direction. And I was doing that and running creative and contemplative retreats mm-hmm. and workshops. So I was doing a lot of retreat work. And then a bit of a crisis situation and, um, and Lord, I need some more money than what this is bringing in. Mm-hmm. And I got a phone call in that week from someone who said, you, you used to run a big network, you've got lots of relationship with, with artists, you know, and you want to be creative ministries pastor. Mm-hmm. Like, we're looking for one for our church. And I'm like, oh, I'll get back to you. I'll have a look and look at my databases and stuff. Oh, and for you to help refer, find somebody else. Yeah, which is yeah. what I did a lot yeah. of. I was yeah. doing a lot of that. And I hung up the phone. And as I hung up the phone, I heard, put your hat in the ring. And I'm like, nah. Hmm. And the Lord just said, I want you to put your hat in the ring. I'm like, God, they're not going to want I had a big argument with I'm not big, a little argument with him. <laughs> I'm just going, you know, what are you thinking? You know, and he said, put your hat in the ring. I want you down there. So I sent the, the man a text and said, are you looking for some young, funky musician <laughs> you know, that knows a whole lot of instruments or are you looking for someone who is passionate about discipleship and formation and, and seeing people healed and whole? And they're not mutually exclusive. I'm not saying they're mutually yeah, exclusive, yeah. but you know, I'm an old lady. And... Um, not that old, but uh, old enough. Not a spring chicken. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, and the, and he said, "Oh, we couldn't get you, could we?" And I'm like, "Oh, really?" Yeah. And I'm like, "Do you want?" So we had uh, you know, a cup of coffee and lunch. They really wanted you. Yeah, and they said, "Oh, yeah, yeah apply. Let's do this." Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, "Oh, I haven't done a CV for thirty years." So, okay. So my daughter helped me do a CV and got so the, got the job. Correct me if I'm in COVID. In lockdown. Oh, wow. So in your late 50s, suddenly you're a pastor. Yeah. After doing ministry for... Yeah, I was going to say the spirit of pastoring and caring and loving people and caring for them, feeding sheep. That's been been there from the get-go. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So much more, but that's just the tip of the iceberg of D. Kalok's story. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing that. Still loving Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for sharing that with us. You're welcome. Well, what a wonderful story of how God worked in Dee's life and helped her overcome her struggle with dyslexia to go on to be tremendously successful in creating theatrical productions and nurturing Australia's creative Christian community. That's fantastic. To learn more about the many creative endeavours Dee is a part of, you can go to her website. It's mkdirections.com. Once again, that's mkdirections.com. As we heard in Dee's story, part of what helped her to heal was when God led her to do what she feared the most, going back to school. And this is often how God works to help us be overcomers. That is, he'll gradually lead us into the place where we feel the most vulnerable in order to heal those parts of our lives. As Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. 
Well, if you'd like to talk with someone about any struggles you're going through and pray that the Lord will help you to become an overcomer, our prayer line is 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's one 800 736 We'd love to pray for you on that number again, one 800 736 Well, thanks for joining us for DK Locke's inspiring story. And we invite you to join us again next time to hear her brother Dale's story. Until then, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I was walking down a place called Dahab in the Sinai Peninsula, and it was the night before my 33rd birthday. And I look up, and I'm kicking up the waves, and this guy's coming down on the side of the beach facing me. And he's kicking up the waves too. And I sort of nod to him. He looks up at me and smiles and says, you can run, but you can't hide. And I just kept going. I think, what was that about? And I turned around and he wasn't there anymore. Brother and sister Dale Cocaine and DK Lock will join us once again to share more of their fascinating stories, including how Dale finally overcomes his lifelong struggle of feeling he wasn't good enough. We'll hear how God worked in his life in this and other areas next time. The story. story. Just another way vision is helping you look to God daily.